spoken lately. I haven't thought about flying for a long time. I haven't dreamed of that moment when I was alone above the clouds for a long time. I haven't dreamed of waking up in a room surrounded in blue and green grass more years than I could dream of memory. I haven't walked back into the past or scratched on the doors of my origins, where it all came from, since I held up that cape for the last time. Return to Kent Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Ambien's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken Hi, it's Andien from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on beginning of the 2016 and as of speaking has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on Spoken Label full stop bandcamp.com although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish i am always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable to me to keep the running costs this podcast going and enjoy take care bye-bye spoken label hi guys andy and spoken label back in the house on tuesday evening we're over to bradford today to i think his ship is shipley Bay, this gentleman I've got with me, Nick's today. Is that correct, Nick? Are you in Shipley at the moment, in Bradford still? Well, I was or born in Bradford, in ah. Shipley, but I, I live in Bradford. So I'm, ah, I'm, actually, right. I'm actually on the Leeds-Bradford border, but on the Bradford side of it. Right, I wasn't sure. Wasn't sure now. That's fine, because um, what the first surprise you've got for you tonight, Nick, is my actual wife is in the other room, Amanda. She's actually was born in Bradford as well, she was. She was born in um, Woodside, if you know that bit. Yeah. Yeah, that's where she came from, see? Small world, right? right. <laughs> yeah, very small, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, my, wife, my wife's from Bradford, too. <laughs> ah, right. Which place? Which... Oh, good, yeah. Always and more... and so, so was Charlie Watts, the drummer from The Stones. He was oh. married to a Bradford girl. Oh, was he? I'll tell them that later. Yeah. I never, never knew well, that. All his, all his life, apart from before he was married. Never knew that. I say small world yeah. indeed. So <laughs> anyway, Nick, obviously. Now for people who don't know you, obviously, and you, we've got a lot to talk about today. Maybe you'll be one of you're one of these sort of characters I suspect people will know when they realise what you've done as in some of your projects in the past and you've got oh, actually ongoing at the moment. So obviously tell people a little bit about yourself first of all, then where all your creativity came from, and we'll start from there. Right. Well, when I was about eight, nine years old, I'd got a relative who used to always buy me a diary as a Christmas present. And I felt guilty that, you know, I'd use it for the first couple of weeks and then leave it blank. And I decided that what I'd do is, instead of writing what I did, which I thought was a bit boring, I thought I'd write down just ideas, things that had struck me. Could be anything from just a line that I'd heard that was interesting through to a joke or something like that, so that each page would be just something interesting that wasn't necessarily about me, because I didn't feel I was interesting enough on my own. But uh, (laughs) no, no, that that thought remains. I can't imagine ever writing an autobiography, but I am working on a book 
that is stories about people I've met, incidents, things that have happened, which is going to be called uh, My Life Sentences. So there's a kind of continuity to to it. Um, I don't think that I'm that interesting, but I love what I write and I love writing. So that, that diary then simply became notebooks and stuff. As, as I got older, but from about the age of eight or nine, I've written every single day. And I've wanted to be a writer as long back as I can remember. And I felt that if you want to be a writer, then, you know, if you're a plumber, you do plumbing every day. If you're a writer, you should write every day. So I've had this discipline and I've got a work ethic as well. And I think, you know, if you want to do something, you do it properly. Um, and, uh, or, you know, if I was a sportsman, I'd have to exercise every day. And that, that idea made me feel as well that it wasn't just doing my job, but it was also staying writing fit. And that writing every single day means that you are full time in writer mode. And uh, I think if you leave it for a bit, you know, occasionally, like when I've been ill or something, or once or twice when I've gone on holiday. Now on holiday, I write every day. Um, you know, we've had a two-year holiday <laughs> the past wow. two years with COVID. Um, but uh, uh, um, occasionally I've not written for a bit and it's been hard getting back into it. And loads of writers that I know have periods where they're inspired and periods where they say they can't write at all. I can't imagine that. I don't wait for the muse to descend. I, I drag the bugger down. You drag um, it up by, by short and curly, yeah, basically. Yeah, abs- fight, absolutely. Fight, 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 fighting your muse. Yeah, um, no, I'm getting, yeah, similar, similar to honestly, mate. So, <laughs> so, so I, d- I don't get, uh, you know, writer's block or anything. Uh, if I might get it for about half an hour or so where I'm sitting trying to write and, and I'm thinking, this is rubbish. But I don't throw stuff away. I keep everything. So I go back to pieces of writing. So if I can't think of anything one day, I just go back through. Now it's all files on my computer. I just go back through the files and choose a file and write some re- rework something that hasn't worked out. Yeah, so same. nowadays I'm writing books and books on on the computer and I keep all the stuff that I drop from from poems or lyrics that I'm writing. I keep all the stuff at the bottom of the file, you know. So so the first 60 pages might be stuff that I feel has been good, but there's a, there's another 100 pages built up at least during the writing of that, of bits that I've abandoned. And I go back through that before I finish the book and work some of that back into the book. It might go back into a piece of writing that I thought was already finished. It might become a separate piece of writing. But I'm a great believer in, you know, if you've started into something, there's a gem there. Sorry, a germ there. Um, uh, Or you can think of it as a gem where, where it was turning slowly and then suddenly it caught the sunlight and you thought something was good there and it carries on turning and you've lost it again. But but the, the, the germ of an idea in there, and it's always worth revisiting stuff because you can dig up tiny bits from it that are really good. Yeah, I agree completely. Now, yeah. obviously, from your bio, I know, obviously, you've been telling me, and you said already you started writing when you were a child, and you were getting your poems published in your mid-teens, weren't you, originally as well? 
and then did your first public reading when you were 19. So, like, that's impressive, John. Did you find, like, did all that, were you surprised in some way when you first got your poems published as early as what you did now in hindsight? Yeah, there was there was an, a, a really odd thing happened. I, I, the Sunday Times was publishing short, humorous pieces, really short ones, uh, and, and just, uh, you know, one, two-liners that were just puns and plays on words and, and stuff. And... I, I sent in when I was about 16, 17, uh, I sent some in and they got used and they paid me. I got a fiver, which back then when I was a teenager, they, I mean, I was born in 1950. So, um, uh, uh, so uh, 72 later this year, but, uh, 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 but, but, you know, back in the mid sixties, five quid. When you when you were a teenager, um, you could party on that. Um, I'd a rave for that, uh, definitely. And then uh, I had I had several of those used. And then the Sunday Times contacted me and said we're doing books of them, and they did a couple of books, and those went into W H Smiths and everything, and were really popular. Mm -hmm. And I had pieces in those, and I got repaid. And then uh, there was a TV program that featured loads of them. And I had a couple of my pieces included in that and I got 25 quid for those. And I just thought, wow, I can make a living doing this, right? Naively. Uh, and it was years later that I actually started making a living, but it gave me the faith that you could actually, if you worked at it, make a living from it. And I've, I've been incredibly lucky in that yeah, it, as I, as I say that I had a 40-year apprenticeship because it took me 40 years to actually make enough money to pay tax. But I got <laughs> by on it. I wasn't after, you know, getting rich. I wanted to just make a living. And, and ever since then, uh, I've made a living and it's been okay. Uh, well, you know, uh, we've, we've, we've had kids and, and, and they've grown now and gone. But... Uh, uh, I've actually made a proper living for the past few years, uh, a, a re really decent living. Uh, I'm really happy with it. We've paid off the mortgage on this house and uh, we've actually got a second house that we rent out. Wow. Uh, and I never Brilliant. expected to get that. But I mean, I didn't I don't have much in the way of a pension because because I've, I've never had a proper job. So so I just get a very basic pension. So so the second house was. Uh, we just felt it, uh, a few years back it was worth buying one if we could afford it. And we, we thought that we could. And I worked harder. And, you know, uh, again, and my wife has a, had a good income. She was a senior manager in NHS. But uh, we've always gone halves on everything we've worked on. I've always wanted to keep up with her and be able to pay at least half. Uh, and, and that's how, how we work things. Um, but that pushed me really hard to work at what I was doing. So I was doing journalism, I was working with bands, I was putting on gigs, I was uh, doing part-time lecturing at a college, I was uh, all this sort of stuff, as well as going out and gigging as a poet and working in schools and all that. And then I hit really lucky getting an agency, uh, Authors Abroad, 
who booked me into schools for the past uh, oh years and years uh, and just found me the work. That's been really, really great. And I was one of their first authors. Brilliant. And, now, uh, also, like, if people are wondering about Authors Abroad, listeners regularly, you'll remember the name Terry Caffrey, obviously, who I spoke to back in the last year. I know you know Terry, you told us as well. So that's why. And you tell, tell people, obviously, they don't know this. I thought it was a great story for You told us how you first met Terry as well. Because Terry certainly didn't tell me this story when I spoke to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was running, I was, I was a resident writer at a library over in Lancashire and Terry started coming to, to all of the stuff. And we, we put together publications, uh, not just me and Terry, but the group. And uh, we did readings and all sorts like that. Um, and uh, uh, Terry was really motivated by it. And I think he, he was already dabbling in writing, but what really got him going, I think, was uh, being part of that group, which included loads of people who really felt that they could go somewhere with it. And I had that enabling attitude as well. Um, and I think you need that. It's very difficult when you're a writer to have the confidence in yourself continuously. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, I agree with you. The process of writing means that you have to question yourself the whole time. You have to doubt yourself. You have to look at pieces and think, is this really as good as I think it is? Because it, maybe it's not. Maybe, it's, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and and it, it's, there are times when you lose faith a little bit in yourself, when you get rejections, all that sort of thing. Uh, no matter how self-confident you are, getting knocked back. I mean, I've never been published in a really major literary magazine, not ever. Um, and I get ignored by most of the mainstream poetry press and most of the mainstream literature. I don't, I don't do literature festivals much. Off and on, I've had, I've had moments when I, I've been able to. I got published as a, as a kid's writer by Macmillan and got, that got really successful there. And altogether, the books that I've had out, I've sold almost a million books. Which is yeah. way beyond what I hope for. That's excellent. Now, obviously, if people are wondering, yeah. obviously, we're going to make them aware you haven't just wrote one or two books. <laughs> like you said, you, you told me already you've done over 40, haven't you? So, and I know when we're coming to later on, you've got a number of books on the way at the moment as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, I, I, it's over 50 books that I brought out. I haven't sat down and counted them. Uh, but it's because I write every day, so the stuff is just there. I've got loads of stuff that should have been published, and I never have. I'm really bad at pushing my own work. Yeah, uh, no, I, 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 lo it. I love doing it, but once it's finished, it's like a painting that's finished. It's yeah, up no. to galleries to display them. You can't do anything more with them. Yeah, I agree. Apart from going out and performing stuff. I agree. Now, what I want to know, obviously, like, is obviously, we, obviously your first book came out when you were 21. And obviously, I know, I know already that is, he told us how old you are now. How has, yeah. your, how has your poetry books changed over time? I hope that they've got better. <laughs> I'm sure they have, mate. I'm yes. sure they have. Well, I think, I think you become a better judge of your own work as you go along, and you have to. But also, I think you... you you really hope that each time you bring out a book, there's something about it that's better than anything you've done before. 
yeah. you've got to have that sense of moving forward. And I mean, you see it in people like, I don't know, David Bowie, Bob Dylan, a whole load of people who, who you know, don't even perform their standard songs the same way. They want to make those songs evolve and everything. And I don't think I've performed some of the poems that uh, I've written the same way twice. I've never done the same set twice. Uh, not in schools, I, uh, you know, not, not in, in gigs that I've done. I always change it. And nowadays, because I really make myself finish things each day, nowadays, I hardly ever read old stuff. Very occasionally. But for the most part, I like reading stuff that I've written in the past week or two weeks. Yeah, um, no. that, that makes my sad that I perform and yeah, people no, go, can you do this? Can you do that? And I go, I haven't even got a copy of it, mate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest with you, Nick, and it's having, I agree in this as a writer, I'm always believing I'm moving forward all the time. I think you've got to keep moving forward because if yeah. you don't, you end up going around in circles. And I think as a creative person, that's possibly the worst thing you can do sometimes. Definitely. So, I do agree with that. Now, I want to ask you, obviously, before we come on to a, there's a few more bits and pieces, I know obviously when I was going through your website before that I found it very, very interesting when basically I found out you're also a puppeteer and a magician. Now, yeah. tell us about this and where do these come from? Oh, quite easy. Um, the I was shown a magic trick with beer mats, two beer mats, uh, <laughs> in, uh, uh, in a pub. And I went in the school next day and I did the trick. And the kids went, have you got any more? And I went, no. And they went, oh, <laughs> that, that noise. That, oh, right. Uh, it's what made me a professional magician because um, there was a magic shop uh, not far from my house. And that day, coming back from the school, I thought I won't disappoint another class. And I, I called in at the magic shop and there was a, a really old magician just in, happened to be in the shop. Mm -hmm. And I spent about an hour and a half there and I came out of the shop having bought uh, about 10 magic tricks. And this old guy had just got things out of his pocket and just showed me loads and loads of tricks. Just taught me loads. He's, he said, if you're interested. And I went, yeah. And he went, I'll show you some. Uh, and I think he was just just an old man who was bored. He'd retired from doing magic himself, but he just pulled all these coins out of his pocket and showed me how to do all these tricks with just everyday things. Oh, fantastic. And, and so, so I came out with love. And now I do about 5,000 different magic tricks. Um, wow. Well, it, it's, not, it, it's the sort of obsessive thing that, blokes do you know <laughs> you start into something and you just get totally obsessed with it oh i've done that i've done that various creative stuff myself so i know what you mean yeah. it's if it really interests you i know it definitely applies to you there is that you just keep on doing do more and more and more don't you so yeah i get yeah. it completely with that where did the uh, where did the where did the puppeting come from then well the puppeting was really early on i, I mean i i was I was vaguely interested because I'd come across a couple of puppets that were cheap on eBay that looked cute. And I got them thinking maybe I could use them with kids in schools, you know. 
But then I, I got asked to do some work with uh, some young kids who'd been abused, uh, mostly girls, uh, really quite young. And they were very, very frightened of men. And the, uh, they were in care. And I was asked to go in and work with them and try and make them less scared of men who weren't a threat. And so I thought, what I'll do is I'll take in a puppet and I'll make the puppet really shy and I'll keep it in a bag and I'll talk to it and try and encourage it to come out. And it means that I won't be looking at the kids. So I won't be challenging them in any way whatsoever because I won't make eye contact with any of them. And I still use this puppet. It's not actually the same puppet, but I still use the same kind of routine with it. It's never exactly the same. I like that. And, uh, when I get a new puppet, I always sit with it in front of a mirror for about an hour and get to know it and get to work out what our relationship is. It's exactly the same as playing with language and learning your relationship with yes. that piece of language, you know. Um, and uh, uh, so, th but this, this particular puppet, it's just great. And, and what was astonishing about that session when I actually did it was it just worked so much better than I even hoped because by the time I got the puppet out of the bag and was chatting to it and it wouldn't look up at the kids, it was frightened of them. And, and I wanted the puppet to take up my attention and I wanted it to be more afraid of me and everything around it than these kids were. And uh, by the time I'd actually got the puppet to turn around and, and look at them and then hide again because it didn't realize there were so many people in the room and that sort of thing, uh, and, and did funny bits with it to try and keep it happy and everything. Um, by the time I'd done that, these kids were holding onto my legs, wanting to get close enough to see the puppet. Fantastic. Uh, it was just great. That's sheer magical. Great. It's a great story, yep. that really magical. And, and that's what made me feel that puppets were really good. Now I, I use them loads. And, and I, especially with kids who have low attention spans or kids who have English as a second language or when I'm working abroad, generally, because a lot of the kids have English as a second language, it gives them breaks from the words. So to do a magic trick or to do a puppet means that they're not just getting an hour of me gobbing away. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, hard work for them. And it gives me breaks as well. So oh, it's, yeah. It's nice. It's good. Brilliant. But basically, Brilliant. the puppets and the magic are visual breaks in what I do. Of course, yeah, getting completely off. Fantastic. Now, that was the, that's only the side tour what I was going to talk to you about today. So it took us 20 minutes to get to the, the bits we want to talk about. Now, obviously, um, you, you were telling me before then, um, you've, you've done three vinyl albums over the past year. And it's a fourth one you want next month. Tell us about these next one, please. Right. Uh, well, I can show you. Uh, I've got the albums here. So what, what we've got, I won't get them out, but they are coloured vinyl and stuff. This oh, one wow. is the oh, second wow. album that I've done with um, Tease Marson. 
and it's got a dark title, Death and oh, yeah. Destinations. Yeah. And figure of death going, going my wow. way. Wow. Um, but uh, it was really interesting. Tease got hold of a recording of me reading a poem that was on an album years and years ago. And he set it to music. He took my words, played about with um, a lot of my performance is rhythmic anyway. I like using rhyme and I like using rhythm. And he just felt it fitted to music really easily. So uh, he, um, he, he set it to music. And then he, he found my email about uh, eight years later. Wow. And, uh, he emailed me with the track attached. And I really liked it. And we exchanged emails. And uh, he sat a few more tracks to music. And I'd got a friend in Bradford who had a small label. And he called around just to chat with me about stuff. And uh, I mentioned this and he said, play me some. And I played him it. And he went, I'll do an EP of three, three of the tracks. Oh, um, brilliant. And so we got an EP out. And we'd never even spoken, me and T's, right? And then he did more tracks and we got an album oh. ready. Oh, and and that, that was the first album, which isn't the one I've just shown you. What I've shown you is the second one. Yeah, he the said, first yeah. one came out on a, on a CD. Um, but then suddenly, an Ameri uh, 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 Germ he, he's in uh, Bavaria. So the, the first album was called Bavariations. And uh, um, a German radio station then commissioned him to do a documentary about two people who'd never met, getting an EP and then an album out. So we had to meet. He had to come over to England. So the very fact that they were interested in this destroyed it. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, slightly, isn't it? <laughs> um, so, so he came over and we spent a couple of days together and recorded loads of stuff and he made the programme and all that. But it's the only time we've ever met. And we're, we're about to do a third album. He's done oh. all the tracks and it's ready to go. Uh, but... In fact, when we came up to doing the album, we hadn't even spoken. We hadn't heard each other's voices. Uh, his name is spelled T-H-E-I-S-T's. -E but I thought he was called Thies until, until I actually met him. And he, he looked at me when I called, I said, nice to meet you, Thies. And he went, my name's Thies. <laughs> right, but but also he didn't, how, the same, though. he didn't know how to pronounce my surname, so so <laughs> uh, that's how little contact we'd actually had. So so it's a nice backstory. Oh, it's um, fantastic, mate! Absolutely fantastic. And then yeah. and then Matt Webster, who designed my website, and it, we'd worked on uh, a couple of albums together. Uh, an album of I had some demo tapes from a band called The Negatives, who were the first proper punk band in Bradford, and the singer had died, and we wanted to release some of the stuff because it hadn't been released. And uh, he had some recordings of them live. So between us, we got a load of stuff. And so we got together to produce the album. Um, uh, and, and while we were doing it, I said to him, um, 
I've got a whole lot of tracks that were released on a vinyl album years back, uh, and I want to add some tracks to it. Could you help me put the CD of him together? And he said, oh, I'll do better than that. I'll release it on my label. Um, so, so, so we started working together, and then he started designing my website for me. And, and then he suddenly said, um, sh should we do some recording together? He's a multi-instrumentalist. And uh, um, he liked it, didn't want me to try singing or anything, which I had done on, the, on, on a lot of the tracks that I'd previously done. But he said, no, let's make it poetry to music. And he'd got loads of friends who were musicians and stuff. So, so uh, we, we've brought out, uh, we brought out this, it came out first on CD and then- Oh, wow. Yeah, people um, wondering this album could shoot in the messenger for people wondering in case you're just listening to this, not following the video. Yeah, uh, well, if I just show you the sort of packaging, Matt is a perfectionist and he's great. Oh, work. wow! So, oh, you've wow, got, you've that's got a cracking uh, eye that in oh, a sleeve God. with all the lyrics and everything, and then the actual vinyl is purple. Oh, so, beautiful, beautiful, a lovely, a lovely job. Yeah, he's and, done a good uh, job there straight away. You know, wow. it's a it's been a pleasure working with him, and he only lives, uh, he, he lives about five minute drive from my house, so we we work together regularly, and uh, he doesn't get out much. He's got disabilities, and he looks after his really aged mom, so uh, uh, it's. It's just been really good working with him, and he's an extraordinarily creative man. To, so, to do that level of property, you just follow us in the audio, to do that level of design work and that, that's incredible. Yeah, and then Absolutely. there's the second album, Wow, Walking the Tightrope, and then there's a third album coming, and I can show you the cover because what he's done is put together, some, this is mostly him, a book of all our lyrics. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, I, saw that. Is, I, I saw that on your website. I was going to yep. ask you about that. And, and then with it, there's a CD which has the, the 10 tracks on the new album, which is coming out in vinyl next month. But it's also got nine tracks from the last two albums. So it's a 19-track CD. And again, is perfectionism with it, you know. Everything just looks really good. Yeah. Oh, it does. Um, it does. And that's, that, that's his design there. And if yeah. you, I don't know how well you can see it, the lights can I, can, I can see that really clearly. You see a helicopter yeah. there, an aeroplane yeah. also. Yeah, and the, and the pirate ship, yeah, particularly, yeah. yeah. But the pirate, ship's got, ra everybody. The pirate put... ship's got radar on the top. Oh, it has as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, Hey, I'll, for everyone's interested, I'll put Nick's website up on, obviously, the writer I'll do is later. It's well worth a lot to see the level of detail in this eye. It's incredible. Well, the book has illustrations. It's pictures of all the uh, all the musicians and all that. And there's some really interesting musicians. I mean, Paul Gray from The Damned is playing bass with us oh. uh, on several of the tracks, about five, Good. six of the tracks. Good choice. Um, uh, he was also with Eddie and the Hot Rods before that. Oh, yeah. Uh, who were a favourite band of mine. Really like Eddie and the Hot Rods. Really? Uh, do anything you want to do. 
Brilliant um, stuff, mate. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. I, I want to look at, obviously, yeah. start uh, quite winding down the, what we're talking about now, to go to your future projects. So I know you've got quite a few things coming up, Nick. So we'll go on to that now. Obviously, you've said your fourth final album's out next month. And I know you've got yeah. a number of books on the way this year as well, haven't you? Yeah, there's a load. Um, well, this is the first one. Uh, but then there's... Um, I did, I did these one poem a day for a year, the first year of COVID. Uh, I actually went over one day, uh, one day over the year by mistake. Um, <laughs> it's all uh, I do that. Fifteenth <laughs> of March, twenty twenty to fifteenth of March, twenty twenty one. So I actually did both fifteenth of March, uh, and just um, I wasn't thinking. So there's 366 poems, and the first uh, 100 plus are in this book, which is the Corona Diary, dark, dark cover. But, I mean, there weren't fabulous times, were there? The second book's coming out soon, the cover's designed. I haven't got it, the cover design here, and, uh, but that's going to be called uh, the, uh, the Year the World Stood Still. And don't have a title yet, but the third book comes out towards the very end of this year. So the, the, there's another two books there. I've got a, um, a kid's story uh, called uh, The Glass Prince. Um, that's coming out later this year from another press. Um, and uh, uh, there's at least one more, probably two or three more, uh, that hopefully will be out before the end of the year. Um, and there's other stuff that I'm working on now. I, I, I did a reading from some stuff I've just been doing. And at the end of the reading, uh, I got offered publication of that. So uh, it's, uh, it's a nice positive time. Oh, yeah. I think we got to a positive time after what we've had the last couple of years. And you can tell yes. your case, uh, it's everything that obviously when things are as darkest, you're making light out of yourself. Now that's, that's brilliant news to see that one, Nick. So good luck with mate straight away with that. So now what we're gonna do is obviously um we're gonna get you to read a few pieces afterwards in the second half in a few minutes. So obviously, if people want to find out more about you, first of all, obviously, and I know your music can be got from your website, and I've also seen it going on Bandcamp as well. So obviously, tell people where your website is first of all, okay. Well, the website is simply www.nicktopcheck.com. The difficulty is learning how to spell Tarchek. Yeah. T-O-C-Z-E-K. So it's N-I-C-K-T-O-C-Z-E-K.com. Yeah. yeah. Where, where's your family origin? A family from within it, your surname? Well, is, that, is that Polish? Originally, yeah, originally it's Polish. But um, even my uh, my grandfather couldn't speak Polish. Um, mm. The family were German-Jewish. Mm. Um, and... Uh, uh, I think the Polish side of the family goes back something like seven generations. Right, uh, right, yeah, yeah. So, but but they lived in an area that had been Poland but was now Germany. Yeah. Um, so you know the border shifted a lot, and a lot of Polish people uh, spoke German as well, and and uh, were were German. Um, from from form, former Polish families, because borders didn't exist really. 
you know, as far as people were concerned. Um, and it was only, um, you know, during the 20th century that those borders really sort of firmed up and people became either German or Polish. Yeah, yeah, well, sometimes. It was, con- it was countryside and it didn't matter. Same yeah. as if you go, you know, along the border between Holland and Belgium. Um, there are still houses that where you only know whether the house on the street is is in Belgium or Holland because they have the Belgian or, or Dutch flag on the, the front of the door. Yeah, yeah, and no, of course. Tax. But the same street and they can pay tax. Different people pay tax to different countries on the crazy. same street. It's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah, no, okay, play this one. The water just zigzags and it's, it's only random. And I think at some point people could, who had land could choose whether, you know, if they're on the border, whether they decided to be Dutch or, or, or Belgian. So, yeah. so you know, uh, nice times when, when nationality wasn't that important. I hate yeah. nationality. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, well, there was change straight away. So now what we're going to do, we're going to wrap up now, Nick, obviously. People obviously go look at his website. All your details are on your website. And I know you've got a page yeah, on no, Bandcamp. I've also got a Wikipedia page. Ah, so yes. Brilliant. People can go to Wikipedia and have a look at that as well. Yeah. Brilliant. It's good to meet them. So what we're going to do, we'll wrap up this bit. I want to give you time to get a few poems right off us in the second half. So hang around, everybody. I'm through looking forward to this. It's been a pleasure today, Nick. So you've been grateful, mate. (laughs) See you in a minute. Thank you. See you in a minute, guys. It's been brilliant fun. See you in a minute, guys. Spoken, mate. Hi, guys. Yes, still here with the wonderful Nick. Nick is now going to do a short set of his pieces for us. Over to you, my friend. Okay, thank you very much. Um, From this book, which is called Voices in My Head, uh, I'll just read a couple of pieces. This is called No Messages. Voices in My Head came out right at the beginning of the pandemic. No Messages. We linger at the rendezvous. Arrival now long overdue, no passengers, and where's the crew? And where's the plane on which they flew? There is no hint, we have no clue, no messages are coming through. The obvious becomes taboo. The falsehoods form, the rumours brew, with hearsay which may not be true, the situation's nothing new, yet no one knows quite what to do. No messages are coming through. They've disappeared into the blue. The evidence we misconstrue. Conspiracies. The theories grew contagiously like AIDS, like flu. The reason is the facts are few. No messages are coming through. And so it is with me and you, and so it is, now we are through with what we had and what we blew. We're wading through the residue. We don't discuss, we just argue. No messages are coming through. When truth tells lies and lies are true, our wreckage lies beyond rescue. We have no verbal avenue. Our silences line up. Their cue just tells us what we always knew. No messages, no messages, 
No messages are coming through. Um, Brilliant stuff, man. Brilliant stuff. Great start. <laughs> Thank you. Here's a, a very different poem. If not least because I didn't write it, it was written by a dog. Um, we've got some friends who don't have children, but they have dogs. And uh, they've always bought presents for our children as they've been growing up and still do. Our children are now in their 30s. Um, but uh, we always get presents for their dog, Christmas and the dog's birthday. And I turned around to Gaina uh, when either a Christmas or a birthday was coming up. And, uh, and I said, should we get something different for the dog this time? Uh, and she went, like, what? It's a dog. You know, and I went, well, we always get it like a bull or a, or a bones or, or a chew or, or you know. Um, I thought perhaps we could get it something different. And she said, go on, what? And I went, well, I thought I could maybe write it a poem. And she went, that's ridiculous. Well, one of the things that makes marriages work is if your partner says that's ridiculous, you do it. Right? So here's the poem. What I tried to do was make it so that it was written by the dog, so the dog could pretend that he'd written it. Uh, so it's crap because dogs are crap at language. Um, but you know, he's tried, he's tried very hard. This is called Big Dog's Best Poem. And he's been sleeping and he wakes up in the morning. Dog's dream, right? Big Dog's Best Poem. Dream, bite, growl, shake, sunlight, stir, wake, new dawn, stare, think, stretch, yawn, eat, drink, gong, got, Dog lead, walks what we need. Jump, bark, wag, lick, go, park, fetch, stick, lake, swim, wet, hound, shake, bound, race, round, chase, birds, choose, tree, make, turds, do, pee, race, home, there, first, brush, comb, mad, thirst, sit, beg, get, bone, cow's leg, can't, moan, back, Yard, chew, gnaw, grind hard, chew more. Called in, coats on, doors shut, they're gone. Dig floor, yelp, yowl, scratch door, help, howl. Long wait, bleak black, hear gate, there, back, like, pop, fuss, yap, leap, up, in, lap, warm, smell, best time, all's well, end, rhyme. Poem written by a dog. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. And um, um, here's a poem uh, based on... Sort of not based on, but but inspired by Auden's W. H. Auden's funeral poem, um, and uh, my my mum died two years ago, uh, almost to the day today, um, and uh, 
I wrote this poem the day she died. So it's called Today My Mother Died. Had mixed relationship with my mum, but we loved one another. And uh, she didn't die easily. Today my mother dies. House left bare this theft entire. Cut the current in the wire. Quell the riot, hush the choir. Watch my maker thus expire. Cancer and her age conspire to deflate her like a tire. All is swallowed in this mire, panic making her perspire. What more must this time require? Symptoms steal her whole empire, wisdom, passion, wit, and fire, body losing occupier. See her weaken, see her tire, see her pass beyond desire. Process cruel, so slow it's dire. Sod you, God of mercy, liar. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> I, was just, I was just angry at her suffering. Yeah, um, understandable. Yeah. So uh, here's a true story from this book, the lyrics from the album that's coming out. Uh, the book's called The Columbus Memoirs and Other Tales. Uh, and this is a lyric from the new album. It's four and a half. And it begins in Indonesia. Uh, it's based on my travels. A bare room in the bus depot, and I sit on a bench. Standing in front of me is a bored teenager. No more than 17, he wears a military uniform. He's playing a game with no words. Listening carefully to music on his iPod, he casually waves a loaded rifle round the room, pointing it first at a wall, then straight into my face. Then out of the window, targeting a succession of passers-by. When I was his age and drunk on holiday in Italy, me and some local lads got into an argument with the police. It grew heated. One of the lads hit a young cop. We all ran away, laughing. Suddenly, bullets from an automatic began thudding into the wall above our heads. I dived through a doorway. A whole family sitting around their dinner table mid-meal glanced up to see me, a mad Englishman, sauntering drunkenly past them, through their kitchen and away. Years later, touring America with a couple of punk bands, a cop stopped us after midnight on a beach somewhere in Los Angeles. He told us to take our hands out of our pockets. When I didn't, he pulled out a gun and stuck it against my head. I got angry, or is arrogant a better word? Anyway, I refused, saying I'm English. I'm not used to cops with guns. Ask me nicely. Take your effing hands out of your effing pockets now, he said. Motionless, I stared back at him. Just do it, Nick, said my friends. So I shrugged and held up my hands. Turning to the others, the cop told them, I didn't know if he had a gun. I wasn't going to wait and see. 
Then addressing me, he added, you're lucky. I was counting to five before pulling the trigger. I'd got to four and a half. Truth. Oof, that last line's a killer then. Pardon my English. <laughs> Literally, well, yeah. The piece is called four and a half. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, okay, completely. Wow. Um, so just a couple from this book, The Corona Diary. These are the ones that I did one a day. Here's Back Garden. Evenings and mornings in this water-thin, slanting spring sunshine, midges mass and mingle. We don't. We stay single. We heed our hard warnings. These nights grow cold. We wake to frost and lost at home at first we stall but soon restart we keep ourselves apart we do as we've been told we mow trim borders plant seed and feed the birds hang out washing do more garden chores we then return indoors we obey their orders. This is, this is called Care Home Ghosts Speaking. I wanted to write a poem that spoke for people who didn't have a voice and very obviously those who died in care homes had no voice while they were dying, had no voice after they died. Yeah. Care Home Ghosts Speaking. Our problem was identified. Their phones rang. Nobody replied. Nothing we needed was supplied. With figures altered, blame denied, we were quietly pushed aside by those on whom we'd all relied. They didn't act. Meanwhile, we died like flies sprayed by insecticide. Where do their consciences reside? Government's heartless underside. Our ring of care, they later lied and claimed the science was their guide. So, For the rest of this, I've got another few minutes. I'm going to read some pieces that I'm writing at the moment. Each one is six lines long, split into two sets of three lines. And they're all about a river. So the collection is going to be called The River. Um, but the river isn't just an actual river, although sometimes in these poems it is, but it's also time, it's our lives, and quite a lot of the time, the river is a person. And it can be male, it can be female, it can be old, it can be young. So uh, let me start with the poem that started this whole thing. Uh, I've written about 80 of these, and I only started about eight weeks ago. 
So. Whoa, <laughs> some gas could go in there. Yeah, yeah. This is Judgment, the first poem. It's time to describe the dead weight of this river with wind in the wintertime making it shiver. Caught up in the gale of our own thoughts, we quiver. We're water laid out like slim slabs of raw liver. It's butchery pricing us sliver by sliver while slicing our sins like some priestly forgiver. Next point. Temptation. We're drawn to this river as flies are to shit. Its drugs drag us down. They just won't let us quit. We can't do without them. We need one more hit. With fish to be caught, some come here with their kit. The water flows over mud, stone, sand and grit. Swim, paddle or suicide. This place is it. And the next one. This river's caught in frantic flow. Oh, no, no, sorry, I'm reading the wrong one. I'll read this. Prefer this one. Sleep. The river climbs naked into my bed, tempering lust with an aura of dread. Far away yesterday, we two were wed. She drenches my dreams as she gives me head. The sheets absorbing the blood that she's shed. Morning revealing we'd both been misled. Yeah, oh, that was brilliant. I love it. Anyway, says a lot in six lines, that one, mate. <laughs> Next one, job. Out there in the darkness, the river's working light. Woodland whispers while on hooves in fields, watchers wait. Worried clouds scurry, sighing hurry, fearing fate. Moonlight breaks on water. A wind gust wakes the gate. Far away, a coming day states its time and date. Listening, the river shrugs. Not my business, mate. Date. The river goes out on the town with a close friend of mine. They start out in a restaurant. They chat, they drink, they dine. And then they both go clubbing. He downs lagers, she's on wine. She leaves, he goes on drinking till the end's hard to define. He staggers as he notices the coastline smells saline. His river mouth opens wide, pukes its contents in the brine. And the next, legacy. The river's cold. She lacks the cash to pay her heating bill. 
she goes to see the doctor and he tells her that she's ill. The drugs that he prescribes don't work. She buys a different pill. She soon needs stuff to smoke and has syringes she's to fill. These habits eat up everything. There's just herself to kill. Though no one knows she's doing this, when they find her, they will. So maybe time for two more. Um, That's, that's fine, Nick. Go for it. Situation. The river's been drinking, is sloppy and pissed. Gone well beyond knowing he ought to desist. And like a boat leaking, he's starting to list. Angry words get exchanged, but he's missed their gist. Things look like they'll soon take an unpleasant twist when his Face collides full on with someone's fist. And then lastly, let's see what I've got. I think I've got. Yeah, gone. Inexplicable. So I'll end on this. One day, the Volga invaded Ukraine, which caused the Danube to loudly complain and upset the Rhine, the Thames, and the Seine. The great Mississippi couldn't contain its anger and made its feelings quite plain. Vulgarly, vulgar, refused to explain. There we are, so it gives Excellent. you the idea of how I draw on the river idea and play about. Yeah, yeah, now I've got it straight away. Excellent stuff indeed, that mate. Great, great, so great, very varied set there, Nick, as well. So, all the best of it, mate. Definitely with these before coming projects. So, anyway, guys and girls, I want to thank Nick again today for a fantastic interview and great places. Keep in touch, mate. I'd love to have you in again, mate, if you want and if you're ready in the future. So, oh, to yes. conclude, we'll wrap up now. So, as Don Callis over at Impact Wrestling says, stay safe and stay over. And we will see you all next time. Spoken, mate.